This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. From notes and emails, I know that our first program tonight is going to hit the marks for fine acting and top-notch sound effects, Gunsmoke. It's an American radio and television western drama series created by director Norman MacDonald and writer John Meston. The radio version ran from 1952 to 1961 and is commonly regarded as one of the finest radio dramas of all time. William Conrad stars as Marshal Matt Dillon. Now, he was an American World War II fighter pilot, actor, producer, director, whose entertainment career spanned five decades in radio, film, and television, peaking in popularity when he starred in the detective series Cannon. He created the role of Marshal Matt Dillon for the radio show you're about to hear, Gunsmoke, next up with Gentleman's Disagreement. And in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the spell of gun smoke. William Conrad, the story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. here in Dodge City. I just saw him. He came in on the morning train. You mean Ed Beaudry? Yes. It's been four years, man. I'd begun to hope he'd forget. Hope he wouldn't find us. What you told me, Beaudry, doesn't sound like a man who ever forgets. He's come here looking for Bert to kill him. He swore he would. Matt, what are we going to do? I don't know. What's Bert think about it? He doesn't know yet. He's busy at the blacksmith shop. Matt, you've got to help us. You're the only real friend we have out here. It might make it easier if I weren't, Jeannie. I'm supposed to maintain law and order and dodge. It's my job. doesn't leave much leeway to mix in on personal quarrels. Well, there's no quarrel. It's just that Ed Baudry's a hot-tempered fool. Bert never did anything to him. He married you, didn't he? A woman has a right to change her mind, Matt. Maybe Baudry doesn't think so. Matt, you, you promised me once in Louisville. Yeah. Yeah, I know. All right, Jeannie, go on home and don't say anything to Bert. I'll talk to Beaudry. Thank you. I'll never forget it. I... Goodbye, Matt. Chester, 
Yes, sir. I'll, I'll be right there, Mr. Dillon. Did Ms. Wells leave? Yeah. Fine couple of Wellses. Hey, did you know them before they came out west? Not Bert. I knew Mrs. Wells. I guess we better drop over to the Texas Trail, Chester. There's a fella in town planning to do some killing. <laughs> Long time. Hello, Chester. Miss Kitty? Uh, come sit down, Matt. Tell me about things. I can't right now, Kitty. We're looking for a fellow. Thought he might have come in here. Sooner or later, they all do. Stranger, Matt? Uh, yeah. He came in on the morning train. His name's Ed Baudry. Oh, him? There. The bar, Matt. Third from the end, next to Tulsa Jim Nixon. He's buying Irish whiskey for everybody. Thank you, Kitty. Yes, sir. Watch yourself, Max. Yeah, sure, Kitty. I'll see you later. All right, bartender. Set up another round of Jamesons for the house. Yeah. Your name, Beaudry? Oh, that's right, mister. Matt Dillon. I'm a U.S. Marshal here. I'd like to talk to you. Fine. Go ahead and talk. Uh, Tulsa, suppose you'll move on down the bar for a couple of minutes, huh? Oh, well, well uh, dear, Marshal, this man's a friend of mine. You're not very particular about your friends. Now, go on, Tulsa. Drift. Mr. Beaudry, you, uh, you came here to kill Bert Wells, didn't you? Did I? Well, here's some advice. Don't do it. Take the next train and get out of town. Is that official? Is what's the charge, Marshal? None. Yet. Murder, if you go through it. Well, not the way I understand it. Murder's one thing. Calling a man in a fair fight, that's another thing. Beaudry, I'm the law here in Dodge, and I don't see it as a fair fight. Bert's a blacksmith, and he's not used to handling a gun. You are. And so I'm told. Who told you, Marshal? I don't know anybody here. Wait a minute, Dylan? Yeah. I heard Jeannie mention you. You knew her back in Louisville before she ran off. We'll leave her out of this, Buddha. So that's it. This isn't official. You're just doing a personal favor for an old friend. Probably a very close friend. Jeannie always did have a weak... I warned you once. <laughs> All right, hold it. Now, get up, Baudry. That was a mistake, Dylan. Now I'll have to kill you, too. I'm not a blacksmith, Baudry. I'll look you up just soon as I've finished with Bert Wells. If you kill Bert, you won't have to look me up. Bert. A bird. Huh? Oh, man. Didn't see you come in. Bothering Jeannie? No, she just happened to see him get off the train this morning. She came and told me. She shouldn't have done it, Matt. It's not your problem. Maybe it is, Bert. I'm the law in Dodge, and the law doesn't like the idea of personal grudges ended up in the killing. What do you aim to do? Prevent it if I can. Well, I wish you luck. You haven't worn that gun for two years, Bert. Why start now? I've got no choice, Matt. That. You mean you got no chance? If you let Baudry call a showdown, he'll kill you. Maybe. Look, Bert, why don't you take to the prairie, hold up for a week or so while I figure some way of running Baudry out of town, huh? Would you do it, Matt? Hide out and let somebody else do your fighting for you? Well, what I'd That's do is... That's the point, Bert. Jeannie. There's a law against killing. It's Matt's job to enforce it. If you went away, there wouldn't be any fight. Wouldn't be much honor either, Jeannie. Man can't run and still call himself a man. He can run from a mad dog. 
And that's what Ed Beaudry is. He never had any claim on me. It appears he thought he did. Matt, you know where Beaudry stands? I talked to him in the Texas trail. He probably took one of the rooms upstairs. Like to walk over there with me? Well, if that's the way you want it. No, Bert, you... you... I'll get my hat. Be right with you. Bert, you've got to stop it. Yeah? How? I don't know. But there must be something you can do. Yeah, there is. It's shaping up. I can probably arrest the survivor. There's still time to turn back, Bert. Afraid not, Matt. Should have had it out with Baudry back there in Kentucky five years ago. Jeannie wanted to run away and avoid trouble, and she was so beautiful it was hard to argue with her. Yeah, I know. Be hard on her if anything happened to you. Life's always hard on a woman, I guess. Worse out here on the prairie. Look out for her, Matt, in case I... Well, I mean, if anything... Mr. Dillon? Huh? Oh, what is it, Chester? Baudry left the saloon a little while ago. Went over to the livery stable to hire a horse. Huh? I think he's riding out to your place, Mr. Wells. He's been doing a lot of talking. Jeannie will be there alone, Matt. I better get back home. I'll be necessary. Here comes Baudry now. I won't draw unless he does, man. Heads up, Chester. Yes, sir. Just riding out to call on you, Wells. I decided you'd had plenty of time to look me up. No reason to, Baudry. Most men would figure they had reason. Somebody been in a local saloon telling their wife's history. What? Baudry, you... All right, hold it. Don't draw, Bert. Chester, cover, Baudry. Just keep your hands still, Mr. Baudry. You're fast with that gun, Dylan. Fast enough, Mr. You make Baudry. a good bodyguard. Too bad you can't ride her 24 hours a day. I told you what to expect if you keep pushing this thing, Mr. Baudry. Now use some sense and get out of town while you're still alive. I've been in lots of towns, Dylan. I left them all alive. Wells, I've been planning to kill you for five years. Plans don't always work out. Listen, Will. You got till sundown. After that, I'm going to shoot you on sight. All right, Mr. Baudry. If you finish speaking your piece, move along. Why, surely, Mr. Bill. See you later. Well, still a couple of hours before sundown. I think I'd like to spend them with Jeannie. I'll see you, Matt. Yeah, sure. Goodbye, Bert. I declare I, I just can't see any way of stopping it, Mr. Dillon. I can't either. I'd sure hate to be in Bert Wells' shoes. I'd hate worse to be in Baudry's. He'll never submit to arrest. Chester, I'm going to have to kill him. Why don't you relax, Matt? You're nervous as a cat. Yeah, now stay nervous, Kitty, until I find out what's happened to those two. Baudry slipped out the back way just at dusk. Piano player saw him. Yeah. Bert pulled the same trick. I had a couple of boys watching the blacksmith shop, but he managed to give them a slip. There's nothing you can do now, Matt. Uh, Another killing. And you in the middle again. Why, Matt? Why do you do it? It's a job, Kitty. Somebody's got to do it. But why you? There are other things in life if you look around for them. 
Well, maybe I will someday. Will you look my way, Matt? Well, Matt, I... I brought my kit. I'm all prepared. Ah, uh, where are the victims? No victims yet, Doc. You're jumping the gun. Well, I understand it's going to be a real showdown. The boys at the bar are offering two to one on Baudry. That's about the odds, I figure, if the shooting really starts. Oh, it'll start out. Right. Oh, there's not a thing in the world can stop it. Chester, what are you doing in here? I told you to watch that street. Yes, sir, I know you did. The fight's there. as likely to start out there as any place else. No, sir, Mr. Dillon. I guess there's not going to be any fight. What? They just found Baudry lying in the alley down the block. Matt. Somebody sneaked up behind him with a hammer. He's sure dead. <laughs> We'll return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, what is the connection between the statue in the square and a pair of thugs who are definitely not on the square with the law? Tonight on Gangbusters, hear the complete details of this exciting case taken from actual police files. Remember, it's Gangbusters later tonight on most of these same CBS radio stations. Don't miss it. Now, the second act. Of gun smoke. his wife, though. I don't know, Chester. I can't figure any of this. It's not like Bert to pull a sneaking trick like that. Hold it. No move. He's there by the tree, Chester. Yes, sir. Bert. Who is it? Who's that? Matt. Chester's with me. You better put away the gun. Somebody else. Who, Bert? You know who, Baudry, of course. Guess I better take your gun. Official, Matt? Official. Well, I got no quarrel of the law. Here. Thank you. Now, why did you do it? What do you mean? If it had been a gunfight, the law couldn't have touched you. Circumstances are all in your favor. But this way they'll call it murder, and they'll be right, because that's what it was. Matt, what are you talking it's about? It's no use. You left the hammer lying right beside his body. It's got your shop brand carved in the handle. Whose body are you talking about? You mean Baudry? Yeah, sure, Baudry. Matt, you're making a mistake. I went looking for Baudry, yes, but I didn't find him. Then I come back here. I was afraid to leave Jeannie there in the house alone. I... I didn't do it, Matt. You're wrong. It's not up to me, Bert. It's the court's job. All I can do is take you in. The evidence is too strong and I got no choice. No choice? I didn't have a choice either. We must have had a choice somewhere back down the line. When? Where was it we could have stopped and turned back? I'm a marshal, not a philosopher. Now, let's go. What about Jeannie? I got to tell her. Chester will take care of it be better if you do it, Matt. You're a friend. That'd make it easy. I'd rather not if you don't mind. Now, come on, let's go. All right, Bert, step inside. Four years we've been friends, Matt. I never thought it would come to this. Neither did I. You said you didn't find any money on him. It could have been robbery. Or made to look like robbery. Either way, there's nothing I can do. Now, you better step inside. Hey, 
I'll, uh, I'll bring you some blankets and tobacco. If you want anything else, let me know. Wish I knew how Jeannie was taking it. She'll be all right. She's a fine girl. Matt. Matt, look out for her, will you? Bird a man's job is one thing, friendship's another. This prairie country is rough and tough and wild at the best. And without the law, nobody could survive in it. And that means putting friendship aside sometimes. But the man still doesn't forget. Yeah, I'll look out for her. Thanks, man. I'll see you later. Get your prisoner tucked in safely, Mac. What about Baudry? He's dead. Absolutely dead. Like I never saw anybody any deader. Blacksmith hammer makes a mighty fine weapon. Yeah. At least for sneaking up behind. I can't figure Bert doing that's not like him. Sometimes a man changes under pressure, Doc. What would you say his chances are? Bad. Straws all point one way. Hmm. Maybe somebody's been messing with the straw stack. Who? That's a good question, right? Well, the court will ask it. If he ever gets there. What do you mean? I just come from Texas Trail a while ago, and some of the boys are kind of riled up. They're talking real loose. No law against talking. I doubt if they aim to leave the talking mat. They figure the evidence is a little on the weak side. A court might turn Bert loose. So they're saying it's up to them. Yeah, they're just mad because they've lost their source of free drink. Well, maybe so, but you better keep your eyes open. Yeah, I know that pack, Doc. They hunt in the dark and pull down stragglers. Mostly they just talk. So don't worry. Bert's in jail, and that's where he's going to stay. <laughs> No visitors after dark. It's a jail rule. Rules don't have to be enforced. Mine do. Bert's a prisoner, same as any other prisoner. He's charged with murder. He didn't do it, Matt. It's not for me to say. But you know he didn't. You know, Bert, you know he wouldn't do a thing like that. Sneak up behind a man's back in the dark. I'm not the court, Jeannie. I know. And they'll believe he did it. Yeah, the night train's coming in. I hope it's not bringing in trouble. The morning train did. Matt, I want to see Bert. I told you that you... Why, you little fool. <laughs> Give me the gun, Jane. No, I warn you, Matt, stay Give back. Give me the gun. No, Matt. So help me, I I'll... said hand it over. <laughs> What did you hope to gain by I that? don't know. Get Bert out. Maybe I don't know. None of this is his fault. Something's got to be done. Matt, you've got to help me. Yeah, <laughs> Yo, what is it, Chester? I, I just come from the Texas Trail. I think there's going to be some trouble. Trouble? The bunch that hangs out around there are doing a lot of drinking and talking up the idea of coming over here to the jail. Oh, no. Well, maybe we ought to go over there and do some talking ourselves. Jenny, I think the best thing for you to do is to go back home and stay there till morning. Now, don't worry about this. Nothing's going to happen. Oh, but, Matt, you can't handle that crowd alone. I've been handling things alone for a long time. All right, Chester. Chester. <laughs> 
of Jim Nixon's the one who's been agging him on, Mr. Dillon. Over there at the end of the bar. Yeah, he struck up an acquaintance with Bodery when he first got off the train. Guess he figures he's an old partner by now. Now, come on. Yes, sir. Later, Kitty, I got some business with the boys at the bar. That's what I mean. Talk to Jim's been buying them drinks for the last two hours. They're in a real nasty mood. So? So be careful, Matt. That's all. Just be careful. Kitty, I'm the carefulest man you know. Sure. We got the law here, Dodge. Supposedly. But what kind of a law is it to let a man sneak up behind somebody in the dark and murder him in cold blood? I don't know, Tulsa. Suppose you tell me. Now, don't let me interrupt you. You were doing fine. Well, this is quite an audience you've got. All the panhandlers, bums, and barflies, and dodge. It's quite a collection. Well, calling names won't change the facts, Dylan. What facts? A friend of yours, Bert Wells, that sneaking, cowardly murderer. That's for the court to decide, Tulsa. The court. They'll turn them loose. They work hand in glove with you. Dylan, we're not going to stand for it. All right, shut up. So you're not going to stand for it, huh? Well, just what are you planning to do? You'll find out in deep time, Dylan. Or tend to set him up again all around. Now, you've turned into quite a free spender, Tulsa. I never knew you to... Ah, a double eagle gold piece. You mind if I take a look at it? It's good. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Where'd you get it? That's my business, Dylan. So you're the one who killed Baudry. That's a lie. I thought robbing him was just a cover-up, but it wasn't. There aren't many double eagles around Dodge. Baudry had a lot of them. Now you. Why would you get a pocket full of gold pieces, Tulsa? Wells killed Baudry. The blacksmith hammer was lying right beside him. Yes, where you left him. What does she mean? Tulsa Jim came into my husband's shop late this afternoon. His horse had thrown a shoe. He had plenty of chance to steal that hammer. She's lying. Where did you get the gold, Tulsa? Elias. Elias. I won it. Well, I won it in the poker game. Last week when... Oh, when the trail heard... Tulsa, you're under arrest for murder. No, you'll never take me! All right, Doc. You better get up an inquest. Confound it, Matt. You, you never give me any chance to practice on live people. Yeah. You wouldn't know what to do with them, Doc. Well, I, I do get your complaints this way. Matt. Matt, does this mean it hurts for you? You shouldn't have come here, Jeannie. Yeah, he's free. Chester will go with you over to the jail and let him out. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for everything. You told me one time in Louisville that... Louisville? That was a long time ago and a long way off. So, uh... Goodbye, Jeannie. Goodbye, Matt. What's it all about, Matt? What? What's anything all about, Kitty? Professor, what do you say? Well, let's have a little tune, huh? Why, sure thing, Mr. Dillon. What'd you like to hear? Oh, uh, how about that one of Foster's? Uh, Jeannie. Jeannie with the light brown hair. You bet. You knew her before, didn't you, Matt? Yeah, I met her in Louisville one summer. Saw her quite a lot for a couple of months. And then I drifted out west. A man misses out on things by drifting. I told her then if she ever needed help to, to call on me. Well, she called, and you helped her. Yeah, I guess. Well, uh, anyway, uh, that's that. Matt. Yeah. You're kidding. When are you going to help yourself?
Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Les Crutchfield, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in our cast were Tom Tully, Lynn Allen, Larry Dobkin, Georgia Ellis, and Barney Phillips. Parley Bear is Chester, and Howard McNair is Doc. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. What are the tunes most people like best? For the answer to that question, listen to Robert Q. Lewis's Waxworks later tonight over most of these same CBS radio stations. Stay tuned now for Broadway is My Beat, which follows immediately over most of these same radio stations. Roy Rowan speaking. On a Sunday afternoon, the music's delightful on the CBS radio network. And just before I turn things over to George Burns and Gracie Allen in just a couple of moments, let me... uh offer a little plea for a bit of a donation. I'm looking awfully scruffy these days with a beard that I'm letting grow since November 1st. I'm taking part in Movember, raising money to help for men's health in many, many areas, mental health, cancers of all types, and I'd appreciate your help and your support. So simply go online to Movember Canada. Look for my name, Frank, just enter my name, Frank Proctor, and it'll tell you how you can donate. I'd appreciate it very much. As I mentioned, we've got George Burns and Gracie Allen waiting for you next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for George Burns and Gracie Allen. Now, they work together as a successful comedy team that entertained vaudeville, film, radio, and television audiences for over 40 years. Their radio show was inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame back in 1994. And I just love some of the quotes that George Burns was responsible for. He once said, If you live to be 100, you got it made. Very few people die past that age. (laughs) Uh, And I like this one, too. Happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. And finally, sincerity. If you can fake that, you've got it made. Now, George Burns and Gracie Allen. It's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. With yours truly, Bill Goodwin, and the music of Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. For deep down laughs and listening enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for deep down coffee drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House with extra flavor in the blend because of choice Latin American coffee skillfully combined. Extra flavor in the cup because Radiant Roast develops the full flavor of every coffee bean. And the result is that today more people buy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. Last week, George was left $5,000 in the will of his late Uncle Marvin. But the will, which was written 30 years ago, specified that the money had to be used for George's college education. Gracie talked him into enrolling at Beverly Hills Tech. And so we now find America's oldest and unhappiest college boy getting ready to leave for his morning classes. Oh, gosh, honey, I feel like a darn fool going to college at my age. I dread that first class. What is your first class? American history. And I'm terrible. When I should have been studying history, I was in vaudeville. Oh, I'll bet you're very good in history. You do, huh? Yesterday, the professor asked, what great American stayed longest in the Capitol? I answered, Al Jolson. (laughs) Even I know better than that. Certainly. Was Eddie Cantor. (laughs) Not doing so well in math, either. The professor flunked me. He what? He flunked me. Well, you should have flunked him right back. (laughs) Well, I'm going to give up college. I'm not learning anything. Not learning anything? Why, you're getting much smarter than me. There you are studying things like civics. And I've never even seen a civic. (laughs) I'll bring one home sometime. (laughs) 
You should be proud to be going to college and learning things. But, honey, my friends are laughing at me. Last night, the fellas called up and wanted me to go to a burlesque show with them. I had to say, I can't, guys. Haven't finished my homework. <laughs> All right. But when you do go to a burlesque show, you'll enjoy it more because you've studied anatomy. <laughs> That's an advantage? Well, of course it is. To them, a leg is just a leg. But you can tell a tibia from a fibula. Oh, sure. I can whistle and stamp my matatossel. <laughs> I tell you, honey, I'm too old to go to college. Yesterday, we were discussing the Battle of Gettysburg, and the professor called on me. Well, what's wrong with that? He wanted an eyewitness account. (laughs) 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 He was only kidding. You look very young. Well, I'll bet you in that contest they're having to pick the most popular man at Beverly Hills Tech. Oh, don't be silly. I don't stand a chance. Come in. Well, hi, Burgess. Oh, Bill, I want to ask you something. Doesn't George look young? Young? George? Ah, uh-uh, here we go. All right, Bill. Come on, slug me. Oh, George. I-, I think you're terrific. You've got everything. Huh? Well, you know, I think you're great, George. You're so... Then you have such... And then there's your... Well, not to mention that... Well, I could go on saying those wonderful things about you for hours. Would you say that George is handsome? Well, there's not a handsomer man in the state of California. Oh, why, Bill, you're handsomer than I am. Well, all right, then, one. (laughs) Got me on a technicality. (laughs) Small tech. Well, uh... (laughs) Would you say that George looks young? Well, in his 20s. Bill, I believe you love George. You bet I do, Gracie. Kind and clever, that's handsome young George. You know, about this time of year, handsome young George says to himself, what does deserving old Bill want for Christmas this year? (laughs) I got a TL for you, deserving old Bill. Handsome young George isn't giving any Christmas presents this year. What? Something tells me handsome young George has just heard his last kind word from deserving old Bill. (laughs) No Christmas present. Why, you miserable little miser. You antiquated little scarecrow. But, Bill, you... a minute ago, you said that George was handsome in his 20s. Well, he may have been handsome in his 20s, but who remembers 50 years ago? <laughs> Goodbye, humorist. <laughs> see you later, Scrooge. <laughs> you see, Gracie, let's stop kidding ourselves. College is not for me. Well, George, your Uncle Marvin left you $5,000 to be used for your college education. Now, if you don't use it, what'll become of it? I asked the lawyer that. He said it would go to a home for down-and-out actors. Well, I'd much rather you got it now. (laughs) (laughs) But, honey... Think of the fine traditions of college. Think of the dignity and the stature it gives you just to be attending. Come in. Is Georgie ready to go to school? Oh. Be with you in a minute, Bobby. I got a lot of books for you to carry today, Georgie. Okay. George, you have to carry that boy's books? Certainly. He's a senior. I'm only a freshman. (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness. Hey, Georgie, why didn't you tell me you had a swell-looking sister? Yeah. (laughs) And me hundred dollars for the senior prom. Well, this is just a hag for me to drag. Look, Bobby, Why, this... she'll be the queen of the prom. Yeah, me? Among all those college girls? Are you kidding? Well, you're a slick chick. There ain't another tomato like you on Vine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll read. Well, all right. We'll cut a rug. We'll really squirm, worm. Well, beat me to the socks, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> beat me to the socks, Bobby. This chick is dynamite. Well, I'll read. Well, all right. Okay, let's go to school. <laughs> George in college. I know you'll help because you're an intellectual like me. Well, I've noticed that too, Gracie. Yeah, it's up to us to guide George's footsteps so that he'll be brilliant and witty like us. Uh-huh. And be able to discuss books and offers and things. Yeah. Uh, have you read any good books lately? No. Neither have I. 
You've been to the opera recently? No. Me either. Gee, what a shame that George can't discuss these things like we can. Well, he will be able to if we can keep him from quitting college. What does he want to quit for? Well, he thinks he's too old. Now, if we could just get someone his own age to go to college with him now. Maybe someone on the radio. They have some awfully old women on the Tom Brenneman program. <laughs> no, George isn't that old. And besides, we need a man. Someone George can pal around with. It'll be awfully hard to find him in radio because the stars of the big programs have already gone to college. Look at the uh, Rudy Valley program and the Jack Benny program. The star and... of the Jack Benny program is a college man? Sure. Rochester went to college. <laughs> a wonderful idea. I have? Jack Benny is the perfect man to go to college with George. They're old friends, and they both need an education. I'll go right over and see Well, you'll never talk Jack Benny into going to college. Oh, I don't know. There's always flattery. Well, that's true. Any man with blood in his veins is susceptible to flattery. Well, I'll try it on Jack anyway. <laughs> see you later, Meredith. <laughs> Yes? Well, Gracie... Oh, oh. <laughs> excuse me. I have the wrong house, Van. Van? Oh, aren't you Van Johnson? No, no, Gracie. It's me, Jack Benny. <laughs> Gracie, how could you possibly get me mixed up with Van Johnson? We're miles apart. You are? Certainly. He's at Metro and I'm at Warner Brothers. <laughs> You thought I was Van Johnson. Well, come in and sit down, Gracie. Here, I'll turn on the light. Mustn't strain eyes as good as yours. <laughs> um, Jack, I've come to ask you a favor. Anything at all. Van Johnson, that's cute. Uh, what is it you want me to do, Gracie? Well, um, I want you to make George into a college boy. Uh, Gracie, you misunderstood me. I'm with Warner Brothers, not Mayo Brothers. <laughs> that many vitamin pills. Oh, no, no, Jack, nothing like that. You see, George is already going to college, and I want you to go with him. Me? Go to college? <laughs> well, college is oodles of fun, Jack. Football games, basketball, track meet. No, no, forget it, Grace. Studying things like psychology, chemistry, languages. No, 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 I'm not interested. Meeting grand fellows, making dates with pretty co-eds. Reading good books. What was that? Reading good books. No, the one before that. <laughs> Making dates with pretty co-eds? Yes, yeah, that one seems rather interesting. I, um, I wonder if they'd mistake me for Van Johnson. They might if I, I got a crew haircut. <gasps> oh, yes, you'd look wonderful in a crew haircut. And so distinguished. I bet you'd have the only gray one at school. <laughs> about this college thing, Gracie. Of course, if I do it, it'll just be to help you and George, you understand. Are the, uh, are the co-eds really pretty? Oh, beautiful. And all Jack Benny fans. Hmm. I mean, after all, you and George are my friends, but they're just one thing. Oh, not that it's important. I mean, not that I care, you know, one way or the other, but, uh, uh, doesn't it cost a lot of money? <laughs> you a cent. George will pay your tuition and buy your books and everything. Oh, Gracie, I couldn't let George do that. You couldn't? Well, if you put it that way, I guess I'm trapped. <laughs> George would pay for everything, you say? Oh, yes. You'll even get 50 cents a day for lunch. 50 cents? Mm-hmm. Well, I can eat for 30, and that gives me 20 cents a day clear. Unless I eat with a co-ed. In that case, I saved the whole 50 cents. 
All right, Gracie, it's a deal. Good. Lunch for your first week will be three dollars. Here's a five dollar bill. Oh wait, I've got your change right here in my pocket. Here you are. Four halves. Or if you'd rather have it in bills, I'll get out my bill for it. Oh no, don't bother getting undressed. <laughs> Take you right over to the Beverly Hills Tech and enroll you. Okay. Yeah, I wonder if those co-eds will mistake me for Van Johnson. Maybe I better have Rochester give me just a little henna rinse. <laughs> oh, Rochester! George, I'm so proud of you. You've really showed an interest in college these past few days, ever since Jack Benny started. You know, I can't get over that tightwad starting to college. I'd like to know what poor sap is putting up the money. <laughs> I'd laugh right in his face. Oh, well, that'd be pretty hard for you to do. Yeah. Huh? I meant Jack wouldn't tell you. Uh-huh. But I, I'm so happy about the progress you're making in your studies. You know, I just adored it last night when you spoke to the waiter in French. Yeah. Without batting an eye, you said to him, bring me an order of la ham and la egg. <laughs> well, I've been studying my French pretty hard. I'm not going to let Jack Benny get ahead of me. By the way, I got a surprise for you. Oh, uh, what? I entered the contest for the most popular man at Beverly Hills Tech. Oh, wonderful. I know you're going to... Come in. Hello, Gracie. Oh, good morning, Jack. Uh, George will be ready to leave for school in just a minute. Good. By the way, George, I saw the results of the chemistry quiz. Passing was 75. (laughs) You got 29. (laughs) Holy smoke, 29. That's right. You know, if you'd like me to coach you a little after school, I'd be glad to. I mean, there's no reason why your grades can't be up with mine. What did you get, Jack? 31. (laughs) Well, anyway, I'll bet George is better than you are in French. Better in French? Why, I know a whole sentence. Ouvres la fenêtre. (laughs) What does it mean? Open the window. Suppose George doesn't know that. Does it matter? Does it matter? Put him in France on a hot day and he'll suffocate. (laughs) You you won't feel so smart, Jack Betty, when my husband is chosen most popular man at Beverly Hills Tech. Uh, Gracie, are you by any chance referring to that contest at school, which I have already as good as one? Oh, are you running, too? Running? I could skip and be George. (laughs) In just an hour, I have an appointment with Betty Calhoun, the co-ed president. Uh, she's a little southern girl, and I think I know how to sew up the co-ed vote. Oh, a southern girl, huh? Yeah. Come on, George. Let's go to school. Yeah, let's yeah, get. yeah. Run along, George. And don't worry about the co-ed vote. <laughs> Are you Betty Calhoun? That's right. Was there something I could do for y'all? Well, um, yes. Um, I, um, want you to get all the co-eds to vote for George Burns at the student rally tonight. George Burns? That funny little old man? (laughs) Oh, oh, please, Betty. I wish you wouldn't talk that way about my son. (laughs) Your son? How could you have a son his age? Oh, I didn't. When I had him, he was just a baby. <laughs> but he looks so old. Oh, he isn't really. Uh, he he just looks that way because he had such an unhappy childhood down south. You don't mean to say that Mr. Burns is a shown-up southerner, too? Too? <laughs> well, don't tell me you're from the south. <laughs> Couldn't y'all tell? How could I? Uh, well, tell me about George's childhood. Oh, it was awful. We were so poor, little Georgie didn't even have pants to wear. <laughs> Not even jeans? Oh, hers wouldn't fit him at all. <laughs> oh, 
terrible. We tried to make a living, but everything went wrong. When the cotton market was high, we planted cotton. Up came wool. <laughs> but you get wool from sheep. Oh, uh, well, up came sheep and ate the cotton. Oh, my goodness. Then we planted tobacco. Some auctioneers came to buy it, but before we could figure out what they were saying, the tobacco was dead. Miss <laughs> Calhoun, now that you know George Burns was a poor, unhappy Southern boy, won't you get the co-eds to vote for him? Well, I haven't talked to Mr. Benny yet. Mr. Benny? You mean you'd even speak to that, that Yankee? Are you sure he's a Yankee? A worse kind, a northern Yankee. <laughs> From Waukegan. <laughs> His full name is Jack General Sherman Benny. You mean he was named after General Sherman? Yeah, and not very long after. <laughs> In that case, I'll downright snub him. Well, get ready. Here he comes. Well, well, shut my mouth. <laughs> Lovely and charming Betty Calhoun. Well, ma'am, you all show sure enough look as pretty as a magnolia blossom from my old show sure enough plantation. Oh, no. And uh, greetings to you all, Mrs. Burns, ma'am. Hello, Amos. <laughs> Benny sounds like a southerner, but Benny isn't a southern name. You all ain't heard my full name, ma'am. It's Lee Stonewall Magnolia Pope Worth Taters Benny. <laughs> really? L-S-M-F-T. <laughs> but, but aren't you from Waukegan? I'm proud to say I am. Waukegan, Virginia. <laughs> Garden spot of the South. Folks down there will be mighty unhappy if you all don't get me elected most popular man at Beverly Hills Pet. Oh, shame on you, Mrs. Burns, for calling this fine southern gentleman a Yankee. Come along, Stonewall. Who? Oh, oh show enough. <laughs> Goodbye, Mrs. Burns, you all. Oh, that unscrupulous man, cheating to win the election. Oh, thank goodness George had never stooped to deceit a trickery. Well, that leaves it to me, and I enjoy it so much. <laughs> Hurry up and get dressed, dear. We'll be late for the student rally. Oh, what's the use of going at all? Benny has got the co-ed vote sewed up. Oh. He'll swamp me. He'll do nothing of the sort. Don't forget, every contestant will be called out to entertain tonight. And you're going to sing. You think they'll like my singing? Like it, oh, darling. Every time you sing, a chill runs up and down my spine. Really? Yeah, come on, sweetheart. Touch a spark of melody to the powder keg of your tonsils and blast me to paradise. <laughs> okay. Ain't misbehaving. Oh! A chill did run up your spine. Oh! What was that? The return trip. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, but Benny is going to play his violin and they might go for that. Oh, don't be silly. What is violin playing, anyhow? A horse's tail dragged across part of a cat. <laughs> Believe me, when you sing, you sound better than any horse's tail or any part of a cat. That's the sweetest thing you've ever said to me. Besides, I wouldn't worry about Jack Benny. Bill Goodwin's got to introduce him, and I've had a little talk with Bill. You wouldn't louse him up, would you? <laughs> College hasn't done a thing for you, has it? <laughs> Students, the contest for most popular man at Beverly Hills Tech continues. <laughs> and now, it's a real honor for me to introduce this next contestant, a truly great artist. That's me, folks. He's a famous star of stage, screen, and radio. I can't wait for television. <laughs> Not only a great wit, but a violin virtuoso. That means I play well. <laughs> and here he is in person... John Bunny. That's Benny. Jack Benny. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to play for you Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. I would like to, but I can't. 
I will play a famous old gypsy melody. By the way, I forgot to say that Mr. Barney plays a... Benny, that's Benny. Oh, I forgot to say that he plays a Stradivarius. Thank you. Thank now, you. that's the finest violin made, you know. Go ahead, Mr. Barney. Benny, Benny. <laughs> In fact, the Stradivarius is to violins what Maxwell House is to coffee. Look, the students here would like well, if I played... Well, of course they'd like it. More people buy and enjoy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. Well, go ahead and play, Mr. Beanie. Beanies. Well, speaking of beans, only superior coffee beans are blended and radiant. That's why Maxwell House is so appetizing, rich, full-bodied, and mellow. Coffee at its full-flavored best, good to the last drop. And now, back to Mr. Benny. That's Beanie. Uh, can I play now? Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you very much. Students, you have just heard John Bunny and his magic violin. Look, wait, wait a minute. That's your chance. That's your chance. Look, but I... Uh, Step aside, Mr. O'Flaherty. <laughs> That's one I didn't expect. <laughs> and now, our next contestant for most popular man at Beverly Hills, Jack, is the campus heartthrob. That handsome singer of songs, Sugar Throat Bird. <laughs> Hey, George, George, I know I'm licked. Just to show you I'm a good sport, there's no hard feelings, I'll accompany your song. Well, gee, that's swell of you, Jack. I'm going to sing Ain't Misbehaving. Ain't Misbehaving. All right, here's your introduction. Uh, Jack. Uh, Jay. That's the wrong tune. Look, I'll start singing, then you follow me. Ain't misbehaving all by myself. Ain't misbehaving, I'm happy on the shelf. Look, Jack, follow me. No one to talk to, saving all my love for, oh, baby, love for you, really saving love for you. Ain't misbehaving, I'm on the shelf by myself. Oh, no, I ain't misbehaving. It's a loving blue. Daddy, daddy, daddy. Go away. George, I told you Jack Benny wouldn't win. You were right. Oh, darling, I'm so proud to be going to the prom with the most popular man at Beverly Hills Tech. It's an honor, all right. We'll dance our feet off. Yeah. Well, come on, Bobby. They're waiting for us at the prom. We'll all read. Well, all right. Well, send me solid. Latch on, Gage. We're swinging tonight. Ta ta, kid. <laughs> Goody, goody, jello pudding tonight. It tastes like grandma's limorso. You ain't kidding, that's right. And, and just, just the, the jello, jello six delicious locked in flavors can't be beaten. So the proof of jello, jello pudding's been eaten. The jello twins are hard to find, but keep on looking in your store. When sugar shortages are over, there'll be more. Just, just the, the taste, taste of jello, jello pudding, pudding or a jello, and you know it's the, the one, one and only J E L L O. when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Meredith Wilson, the orchestra, yours truly, Bill Goodwin. Good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's number one brand of coffee. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Inner Sanctum, followed by Archie Andrews. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.